Hello and welcome to the Mindset Growth Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show, I'm going to be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. Are you ready to bring mindset to life and create success from the inside out? Let's go. Welcome back to the Mindset Growth Academy podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ben Clark. Ben's story is truly inspiring and his life changed in an instant. When he was back from his swimming academy in Australia, Ben was involved in an accident that left him unable to move from the neck down. Today, he's sharing with me his story about his recovery and how he overcame the darkest of challenges and created a new life in a wheelchair and turning his back on everything he'd ever known. Ben has since competed in national events and coached swimmers to compete at the Commonwealth Games. He has now followed his passion by becoming a qualified personal trainer, as well as helping other disabled people to adapt, believe and live their best life. This is going to be awesome. So welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for coming along today. You know, I'm very, very excited about this interview because your story is awe-inspiring and there is so much that I want to ask you. But uh, before I get into the nitty-gritty, I'd really love for you to just share with everyone a bit about your life leading up to the accident, what you were doing in Australia, what was going on, what made you want to become a swimmer to start off with and take us up to that fateful day. That's all right with you. Well, thank you for having me. Basically, ever since I was like a little kid, I already wanted to be a swimmer. And as when I was younger and I was swimming, I watched Ian Thorpe at the Olympics in 2000 and it was massively inspiring to me. And right, that's what I want to do. And as I got better and better, you know, I realized I had a talent for swimming and I eventually got a scholarship to a swimming school down in Devon. And we moved our whole life down there and committed to it. And it seemed to be paying off, which is really good and I was really like in the zone and loving that sort of thing I was at a school where they like promoted all of that side of it and getting better and better over time like national championships for the first time as a kid yeah it was just something that was just my life all I did was wake up swim school swim sleep eat and that you know there wasn't really anything apart from that so that was my life and it got to a point where I got good enough I went out to Australia and was training with one of the best coaches in the world and that was an incredible experience, not just because it's Australia and it's lovely and it, I get to train outside, but training with Olympic swimmers and people that did go on to win like Olympic gold medals. And that was an incredible experience. I have later in my life, yeah. Oh, right. I met him earlier this year, which was an experience, yeah. But yeah, I didn't when I was out there originally, but yeah, I got to meet some people that are currently some of the best swimmers in the world and got to train with them. And it was an incredible experience, really. And yeah, so I was there for about 10 months and then I had to come back home for my niece's christening. And that's when I had my accident, basically. Um, I was down at Sandbanks, which is the beach near us. I ran into the sea like I do on Baywatch, dove into a wave. It was where I was. It was deep because at Sandbanks, it's sort of like there is banks of sand as you go out. And I dove into a shallow, even though it's further out of sea. My hands broke away and I hit my head on the bottom and I broke my neck, basically. So yeah, I hit. So I hit my head and that sort of compressed my spine and broke between C5 and C7 of my vertebrae. Wow. I mean, they say that we all have life-defining moments, and I suppose that was yours. Obviously, 
you're in that situation, you're then, I assume, airlifted out or rescued. Because it's not too far from the hospital, they did it by, I was in the sea and I was rescued on the beach by the lifeguards down there. I mean, pretty much owed my life to the lifeguards. Yeah. I was face down in the water, drowning, and I got rescued by the RNLI. Wow. So I really do owe my life to them. And yeah, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And then, yeah, I got rescued there. And then they got an ambulance and I went to the local hospital, which was only like five minutes from there. Yeah, that's when I started my new life, essentially. So when did you realise the enormity of this accident and the impact that it was going to have on your life? I don't know if there was like a specific moment, but it was sort of like a series of events, really, that sort of happened. Like as soon as it happened, I was in Australia. I did lifeguarding as sort of a job to pay my way to do my swimming and that. And I sort of understood what, what I had to do in a spinal cord injury situation. Like I understood sort of what it was, but I didn't really have an understanding of what it actually involved. And various like things over the course of the next sort of month, I would say, is things that actually like were like, Oh, this is real. This is happening to me. Like initially I thought like I'm injured, but that's okay. I'll, I'll be all right in a week or two and I'll be back swimming again sort of understand and then the doctor tells you you're not going to walk again you go oh well, maybe I will you know you hear about it in the papers and all that sort of thing that people come out like recover from it and then sort of realize that oh I'm not really moving my arms that much while I was in hospital because I had no movement below my neck whatsoever and then as like swelling goes down I started to regain and sort of have an understanding of what my level of injury was at mm. and it was like when I sort of got to a point where I couldn't see any more improvements I was like, I can see where I'm at now and I sort of have an understanding. How did that impact you at that time? I was on a lot of morphine, so there was a lot. <laughs> so my feelings, I don't think, were necessarily genuine in terms of like how I would feel if I wasn't in that medications and that. But I think I was surprisingly positive considering what had happened. It was like all I wanted to do was get back in the pool and start swimming again, really. Like, I don't think I sort of quite grasped what had happened to me in it. Like, I was sort of in the mindset, no, I need to get back in the pool and start training again. Like, it was really like, bizarre how I handled it. Would you say that was sort of denial in some respect or positivity? I don't mean that rudely, but no. to fully understand the impact that that has takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? And so... I think because it's such a massive change, you know, I'm going from 40 hours a week training and then suddenly I'm in a hospital bed. It's sort of like, not necessarily like denial, more like not understanding. Yeah. I have, my brain can't comprehend it because it's so different and so alien. Like I would never spend a day, a week in bed in my life. And then suddenly I'm laying down on my back, staring at the hospital ceiling. It's like, can't quite wrap my head around it rather than so it's more like oh I don't know and then I was like trying to be positive and I saw that my mum was quite upset naturally and she was there with me every single day yeah it was one of those things that once I started seeing her upset I felt like I needed to be as strong as possible to make sure that she was okay yeah what was going through I mean obviously you just mentioned the positivity side which just is amazing and obviously the impact was on you physically but obviously your family were caught up in this accident as well. And so there was an impact on them, which by the sounds like you wanted to protect your family as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. Which is incredible. So what was going through your mind there? You mentioned how you kept thinking, I need to get into the pool. Was your focus very much on, right, what can I do rather than focusing on what I now can't do? Because in terms of hospital for about seven months. Right. 
And the first month was literally just laying on my back and as I said, there was lots of medication and all that involved. So there wasn't really too much thought, like straight thinking. But once that sort of settled and I knew where I was, it was more about, yeah, what can I do? And just trying literally everything to see, sort of find my limits and really sort of push myself to it and see like if I could break it and like do new things and that. Sort of like adapting my sort of life to what it's going to be now as well, you know. It was like learning to rewalk again, like as a kid. Got to learn all these new movement pathways and that. And it was, I mean, it was a long time ago now. So it was eight years earlier this summer. So it was one of those things where, yeah, it's almost a distant memory now, which is kind of crazy to think. Well, it is, but also pretty incredible that you have managed to remain that positive and to think about all the things that you can do, that it has almost become a distant memory of everything because you've stepped into your new life but with confidence and with positivity rather than dwelling on the what could have been. There must have been dark times, though, for you. How did you manage them? I know you mentioned that you were on a lot of drugs to start off with. But that aside, how did you deal with the fears that would come from the impact of an injury like this? Yeah, so I always say because of my swimming, what I had to do as a swimmer was so beneficial to me for my rehab process. Okay. Basically, what I did is take what I learned from swimming, understanding what failure is, dealing with it, overcoming it and progressing forwards. I sort of applied that same sort of mindset that I had in the pool yeah. and in my training and I put it sort of into my life, essentially. You know, while I was in hospital, that was my life. There was no other yeah. outside thing. It was just I need to get as better as, as best I can before I leave sort of thing. So, yeah, dealing with it, I sort of was like, I treated it like I was training thing, you know, like, oh, I haven't quite done what I needed to do today. So I need to self-evaluate, see where I am, see what I can do tomorrow that's going to make sure that I can do it, really. Brilliant. So, yeah, like I felt like there have been dark times since then. But while I was in hospital, because I had such a strong purpose in that within my life, I need to get as good as possible. I didn't necessarily have it at that stage. Yeah. So what did that come sort of when you obviously left hospital? So triggers it, or is it just the enormity of, it, of that whole transformation? Yeah. So, like, once I like sort of finished hospital in that rehab stage, I I went straight into back into swimming again, but as a like a Paralympic athlete instead. And mm. um, that's when I went off to do like my nationals and all that. But my love for the sport wasn't quite the same. Like the things that I used to enjoy about the swimming wasn't in the Paralympic side of it. When I decided that I wasn't going to swim anymore, that sort of when. I stopped, my positivity was less. And that's when it sort of started feeling a bit like, I was feeling like lonely and I was feeling a bit sad. And that was like a much more difficult time in my life. It wasn't straight after the injury. It was like five years afterwards almost. Yeah. What did you do? I mean, obviously you said that your passion for the swimming side of it wasn't there because you were missing aspects of it you used to love. As a result, feeling lonely. How did you move beyond that? How did you bring back that positivity that you'd had in the hospital and before? So yeah, I would say it took me about a year to like really sort of come to like that phase was whole like about a year period where I was feeling a bit down yeah. and not great with myself. And you could see it on me physically. I was like, I looked like dark eyes. Yeah. You know, my skin was getting bad, and you could sort of see it on me. There was a point when I like, my mum just said to me, it's like, you need to do something with your life. You can't just be doing sort of nothing, you know, just waking up every day and doing the same sort of things, watching YouTube, playing on PlayStation and just sort of like doing a little bit of gym. Yeah, I was existing and not really living. And then so I was like, he's right, basically. (laughs) 
yeah. mums are always right. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, see. So yeah, I went. I was like, well, I like swimming. You know, I like fitness. So I sort of went down to the local swimming club and said, "Do you need any help?" And then I like sort of told them all about my backstory and that, and they were like, "Yeah, we'd love to have you come along." Yeah, it took me like about two months to actually like work up the courage to go. And um, but when I did, like, sort of went there, and there was a new head coach at the sort of same sort of time as I was joining. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it sort of that was a massive sort of turnaround point in my life. I started off quite slowly with it, just doing once a week, and I built up to sort of four times a week. That was sort of the moment where I was really I still have a, like meaning within my life. I can still contribute and still do things. You know, I don't have to just exist. I can sort of press myself forwards. And how did that make you feel? That realization. Yeah. It was fantastic. It's been like a bit of a snowball effect since I've done it because it was like, oh, I can do this. Then I was like, oh, if I can do this, then I can do other things. And it was sort of just now, like, if you fast forwarded, like, briefly to, like, today, it feels like I can do anything sort of thing. Like, there is no sort of limits to what I can do. Which is amazing and is testament to you. Like, that is huge. It's a long time. In those eight years, the transformation that you've made for your life is phenomenal. And the way that you've come up against the challenges and to have that 12-month period where things were tough, but you still had that spark in you to do something and to find that sense of purpose again and to get back into creating a life that's going to make you happy. And having your mum or people around you to sometimes give us a slap in the face and to, to say the harsh truth is just what we need because obviously said with love it makes you think and so the fact that you then turned that around again pretty rapidly and to have that conversation then within two months be where you were within the call and the coaching is amazing because you soon realized that there was life beyond that it wasn't defining you yeah definitely yeah it's amazing what you can do just by sort of just changing your outlook yeah how much has the accident changed you as a person was discussing it recently with somebody else who's disabled like if there was a cure, like, literally today, mm. or there was a cure, like, eight years ago, I would probably pick the one today. Like, what it's made me realise who I am as a person has, like, matured me, like, way beyond what I would be if I was just still swimming. You know, I would have my career and retired by now sort of thing. And then I'd probably be in this point where I was a couple of years ago, like, oh, I've done this all my whole life. What do I do now? Being forced into the situation where I'm forced to adapt and forced to really understand who I am as a person has, like, massively benefited me like my mental state and that so I feel like I'm just sort of anything that comes my way now like if I've done that then I can sort of do anything definitely definitely you should be very proud yeah definitely am. you are as you say yeah yeah I really am if you're not I was going to be having a word with you <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing and obviously you then went on and you did the coaching and started to get that sense of purpose and that sense of drive back yeah definitely where did that then take you so with the swim coaching, that sort of so that was what three years ago now. It was like a steady sort of incline, and I sort of think of it now as like my transitional period to get to where I am now. And when I went there initially, they didn't really have sort of any sort of strength conditioning program. Mm-hmm. And um, Barry was new to the club, the head coach, and it was a bit of a state of change for them as well. So me coming in when it was new was quite helpful as well. Sort of new regime that he wants to put in, and like being sort of his apprentice as and watching him do his work and learning off it and me giving my experiences in the past. Yeah. It was was sort of like it re-reminded me why I love swimming and the aspects, although I wasn't technically swimming, the aspects I used to love sort of came back into it. 
yeah, it was like the sense of community and the having these sort of people around you. And now sharing my knowledge, I say I probably get just as much joy as and then doing well as I did when I was swimming. I was doing well. Yeah. When you were coaching, was that coaching disabled? No, this is able-bodied. Yeah, these are all like teenagers, sort of 14 to 18 sort of age. Yeah, and then, yeah, like it sort of all came to like a really nice conclusion. Earlier this year, one of my swimmers qualified for the Commonwealth Games. That was, yeah, it was a very proud moment. You know, I felt like a first moment that I felt like, oh, is this what people with kids feel like when they do it? (laughs) So, yeah, it was one of those sort of amazing feelings that I helped that achievement. Yeah. Yeah, it was really incredible. Is that your motivation then? Like, see, you've always had a motivation as a youngster to be your best, as you were speaking about previously. And obviously that motivation to put your goals ahead of most things, like you were saying, you know, when you were in Australia and when before you even went to Oz, that you were pretty much eat, sleep and breathing swimming. And so you recognise that importance of being focused and being committed. Is that what motivates you to share that aspect of your story? And that skill set that you have with others to inspire them. What is your true motivation now with that? Yeah, with like that, it's, I guess, so much joy sort of out of sharing my knowledge. I have been through the whole sort of system that they want to do. I've seen where people drop off or where people succeed. And I can sort of say, like, if I can pick up on it early and be like, you're doing these things, it might be good now in the short term, but long term, something you need to really think about. And um, it's all like a bit of like a passion to share this knowledge. Swimming gave me so much and to give something back is like really motivating. Yeah. yeah. Keep going with it. I mean, I'm watching you now, obviously, for those on the podcast, there's movement within you. So where are you at now with your injuries? Because you're moving your arms. So Yeah, so most of my movement came back basically within the first eight weeks. That's sort of right. when the swelling comes down, you sort of understand where you are with mm-hmm. the injury. So basically, my injury level is, as I said, C5 to C7. So that's the vertebrae in my neck here. There's a scar there and all that where they did the operation, they fused it. But yeah, it's basically, I've got nothing below sort of my mid-chest. There's no movement or feeling. But in my, my arms, I've got most full movement. Apart from my hands, um, they only work a little bit. And the muscles around those sort of areas, like my triceps and my back muscles, are like weakened, but they're still sort of functional. And there's continued work that you can do to build strength on that. See, yeah, this is what I've got. But like much like anybody, you know, you can get stronger in the areas that you've got. The more I train, the more I can do, even though I haven't got more movement, I can do more with what I've got. So it's it's all about like finding ways to, because I have to think about things a lot differently. You know, if I can't just go on like YouTube and research like a fitness program, if they're doing like squats and that. Yeah, of course. You can't do these sort of things or you stand up and do this sort of exercise. I have to sort of adapt it. And that's sort of why I wanted to do moved into the YouTube video side of it because I've been adapting it myself over the years. And I wanted to, again, pass on that knowledge like I had with the swim coaching and put it into the disability fitness side of it. Yeah, so you mentioned that because your YouTube is called Adapt to Perform. Do you find that there is a lot more support for disabled people than previously is building awareness something that you feel is really important because certainly like people say like the 2012 olympics really brought home the the importance of the paralympics as well like it's not some not necessarily a sport that all of us have been open to so do you find that over the last eight years there's been a lot more support for you or is that something that's still lacking and therefore that's what's driving you to be that support network for people 
Yeah, definitely. When I first had my accident, like there was like not, I mean, this was 2010, so it was obviously before the Olympics and there was like nothing really out there. And for me, like I've been involved with sport my whole life, but I still didn't really know anything about the Paralympics. You know, there wasn't anything like why would I sort of know about it? It didn't really interest me or anything. But obviously when you're forced into this situation, you're forced to make a sort of conscious look at it all. It was more me having my injury or more like the change in society. But you see things with The Last Leg, the TV show and that, and how that's continued over the years. There must be, you're seeing more disabled people on TV, like being highlighted, which I think is really good. I still think there's definitely more to be done, which is when I look on YouTube, initially when I started, like there was nobody on YouTube doing what I wanted to do. Went on there and typed in wheelchair fitness. And the two ones that came up was there's a guy who's like a bodybuilder in America Right. It's like, well, 99% of people don't want to be like that. And then the other one was like the old people like in a nursing home sort of swinging their arms around a bit. 99% of people don't want to be that. And it's like, what about everybody else that just wants to get a little bit fit, you know, so they can live a bit more independently? And that's sort of what I wanted to do is just to fill that gap. There was a market that was wanting for it. And it I've seen over like the year and a half that I've been doing it, it's definitely wanting it. And yeah, when I get messages from people like, oh, this is really great. I've lost weight. I feel better about myself. I'm doing things more independently as I shared my knowledge to them. It's just, it's really like motivating. Keep me going. Definitely. I mean, I think it is so important to build awareness full stop because there isn't that much information out there and to become a leader in that and to use your experience to build that foundation of that business and that vision is incredible. And not everyone would do that. But for you, you're very, very passionate and that comes across in everything that you say. And I think to open people's eyes and to educate and more importantly, to allow other people that are disabled to see that there is life beyond their wheelchair and there is that sport exists in that as well. And you can still be fit. A bigger part has your mindset played in this whole process because you seem a very, very positive person. You mentioned how that taken a lot of skills from your swimming from that, but there's a lot of personal skills in there that you have formed with your mindset that seem to carry you through. So has it been a pivotal part of your recovery? Yeah, yeah definitely. Like I feel like I've been very lucky with my life because my mum has been so supportive of me over the years and she definitely instilled into me sort of how to be a decent person basically and how to be compassionate and be understanding of other people and like getting to know what they want and how I can like sort of help them. And it did really come to like, she installed like motivation and all that within me. And that helped me through like the earlier part with the swimming, but through the later part of the life, definitely those other lessons that I was sort of taught by her has definitely become come to fruition this later part of my life. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> Are there any mindset techniques that you use on a regular basis to keep you focused? Like, you know, a lot of people journal or visualize, you know, in your swimming, I imagine you do quite a lot of visualization of yeah, so, goals and various things like that. Yeah, like, so I use my Instagram sort of as a blog sort of thing. And I use that sort of, I say I use it 50% for me and 50% for my audience. Just as, so I think I've only missed four days this year of it posting every single day yeah like that sort of it's a bit like understanding who I am as a person and like what motivates me and what makes me tick and all those things as well as sort of providing this sort of informational motivational sort of thing towards for other people as well so that's something that I, I try to do every day you know it's something that sort of grounds me and makes me sort of like I try and be open and honest and really put out 
my thoughts and feelings out there into the world and um, mostly for better you know sometimes it's not always great but well, that's life isn't it yeah exactly just who I am as a person which is exactly what I want to said I do it as much for me as, as I do for other people so that's sort of the thing I do every day and but in terms of like techniques and that I have a thing again for what you said with visualization so yeah with the visualizations like it's something I sort of picked up from when I was swimming and I sort of brought into my life and it's my process between going from a negative thought to a positive thought Basically, if a negative thought comes into my mind, I visualize a stop sign, you know, like on the road, you see the big red hexagon stop signs and I go, stop. And then that triggers something in my mind to like say, no, like stop these sort of negative thought. And then I just breathe and just sort of like, everything's okay, right? The negative, and then hopefully by then the sort of negative thought is gone. Like have a sort of quick sort of meditation to myself. You're not like sitting on a mountaintop with my legs crossed, but just, you know just in my own head for a second, just for, oh, like, why did that come across? Understanding what it was. And then thinking, like, all right, how can I turn this into something positive? And uh, normally do that by getting the situation and finding, like, five things about it that are actually positive rather than, like, that negative thing that was there. And that normally counteracts it. And sort of this could, like, I've done that for so many years that I could do that in, like, 10 seconds now, which is... Which is the amazing thing, because when people are looking at mindset work and stuff and they think, oh, I haven't got the time to dedicate to all of that, or it Mm. seems like such hard work. And initially, obviously, it is because you're creating change. But the fact that you just said you've done it so often that now you could do all of that in 10 seconds, even say 30 seconds, 60 seconds, that's still not a Mm. long amount of time. And it becomes that natural habit, doesn't it? And it's so important to have that consistency with it. And I love that, that you have that stop vision that you see. But more importantly, you know, that when you just mentioned, you just take that time to breathe. And obviously we all breathe, else we wouldn't be here. But the reality is we're not conscious of our breath. And yeah. so many people forget that actually if they just take a couple of deep breaths, everything seems calmer, yeah, more, more relaxed, less emotional, more rational, all of that sort of stuff. And you can then sort of revisit things. And again, you know, you made light of the meditation side of it, but you've just shown really that meditation isn't just about, as people sometimes sitting on a mountain, cross legs, whatever. It is however you want to interpret it and what works for you. And it's just that sense of checking in internally and asking, like you said, what the positives from this or how can you flip this? That is meditation. Meditation is anything you want it to be the moment you personalize it and so I love that you've said that because so many people don't do meditations because they think I haven't got half an hour or I'm not that way inclined or I can't I can't switch off but the reality is tweak it to how it works for you play around with it in the way that you perhaps have done to then get it so it's so in tune with you that when you have that negative thought within 30 seconds it's gone and you're back where you are and it's that comeback rate isn't it yeah, exactly. It's important when it comes to the negative thoughts that kick in, what can you do to stop yourself from going down that path? And that's amazing what you've just spoken about because it's not complicated. No, because I don't like things to be overcomplicated. I like to simplify it and that exactly what you said, it works for me and that's what matters. Work for some other people and that's why I like to share it and say like, hey, this this might not work for you, but it worked for me because I personalised it. So it's all about finding it. Exactly. That's the beauty is that with mindset work, it's all personal. The reason I love doing these interviews is to share stories and for people to then take what they can and personalise it into their life. And I think that what you just said just then, we can all do that. 
Yeah. It's whether we want to do that. And that's the difference. But I think you sharing that message and those tips is vital, but also for you, it's a reminder on a daily basis as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's something that happens. I, it's, yeah, sorry. It was something that, you know, it doesn't occur that often, but when it's there, it's, I already know what I have to do. So. I think, again, that's a really valid point. It doesn't occur that often, probably because you're so in tune with the things that you want to do and focused on the positives, that eliminates the negativity from being so dominant. Like with my girlfriend, I like to say, like, we're in a situation and I'll just say, like, oh, five things. And then she, like, she knows now that I'm on about, like, name five things like in this moment that you're, like, grateful for. Yeah. And that's sort of like something we've taken that sort of thing where we don't just think about it when it's a negative situation, but when it's also a positive situation to really appreciate it. And I'd be like, well, we did it in like Norway recently when we were on holiday and we we're just sat in the restaurant and I was just like, I just said to her like, I'll oh, name five things that you're happy for. And she just reeled them off and she's getting better at it. So am I. And yeah, it's like a little game we play almost. Yeah. And it's good because when you start to think like that, it gives less space for negativity to come in, doesn't it? And plus it's yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's really good fun. Let's all try and talk about things that we're grateful for rather than things that we're not, because that isn't fun. Yeah, Um, exactly. Your motivation, like the way you handle things, I'm sat here in awe of you, but what's next for you? What is your vision? You've spoken about your adapter perform. You've just qualified as a personal trainer. You're constantly aspiring to be better and do better and do things. So what's your vision for your life and also for business that you're setting up? Yeah, so there's quite a few, because I'm always told, by, again, by my girlfriend, she says that I'm an ideas man. I think every day I come up with like a new thing, I'm like, oh, we could do this, we could do that. Sometimes I get wrapped up in thinking about those things. But in terms of like the core thing that I want to do, I want to have my own business where I'm doing sort of multiple ways of helping people disabled to be fit, really. I would love to have like my own gym. It's all fully kitted out for disabled people so they can come along and not just personal train them, but you have like physio with me to help me like do physio side of it and do like sort of motivational talks and like wheelchair skills, bits around the house, really like helping people from that, help them transition when they've had something like I've had and really like help them transition into the next part of their life. And that's sort of one side of it. And I want to do like online stuff still with my YouTube and my Instagram really building up having that as a place where people know they can come and they can find out the information they need to that I didn't have when I came out but then they can have it and it's they know they can find it quite easily that's support. it's all about just uh, like eight years of it but hopefully shortening it down for other people basically <laughs> so they yeah. can get on with it yeah so they can get on with living their lives really yeah. being in that right sort of place and having that independence yeah, yeah, exactly. Just having given them that. And by helping them, I'm helping myself as well. You know, it's still a continued process for me. You know, there are still days when I'm feeling a bit like sad and that, but it helps me having this focus. I have less of those days, those moments than that. So, Do you have a mindset mantra that you live by? I'm, I'm asking everyone this because some of them that come up, I've either heard of or not heard of at all, but I just love knowing what people's mindset mantra is. For example, mine is, Life is 10% what happens, 90% how you respond to it. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's necessarily like a phrase or that. I probably use quite a few of it. But yeah, similar to like yours there, it's not the extrinsic that is important. It's like how you sort of intrinsically sort of deal with the situation. 
I've never really sort of bit down in like one phrase that I use all the time. It's sort of the same sort of thing in lots of different ways, but it sort of generally comes down to you can't control what happens to you. You can't, I definitely couldn't have controlled, you know, I would never have known that I was going to be in this sort of situation. I never would have chosen it for myself, but how I dealt with it is what matters. And that's why I've got to the point where I am now. Yeah, it's not really a mantra as such, but it's sort of like a, that sort of change in my mindset to think about those sort of things. Exactly, adaptable. Yeah, if anything, it would be adaptable perform, yeah. <laughs> sure. So I just said, obviously, there is the name of your businesses. That's the name of your Instagram account as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've got, got adaptable perform everywhere. So, so uh, it's Facebook, yeah, all of it. <laughs> You've spoken a lot about the importance of support, about flexibility as well, and about that, just managing the mind and not really allowing the negativity to come in. Whether you're managing the aftermath of an accident or life in general, this is all really key stuff. And I think you're very humble, but actually a lot of what you say is just amazing. And you have like adapted to perform really well here. And I think the fact that your mission now and your vision is to have that show that support and be there as a leader to help others transition is amazing. And you know, I wish you all the luck in the world. I think it's incredible what you do. And I think your mindset is awesome. Thank you very much. So thank you so much for joining me today. There's lots of things that I could ask you. But obviously, if you want to follow Ben, then if you just type in Adapt to Perform, you will find the various links for him, his YouTube, his Instagram stories and account. It's all very inspiring. I love the fact that you're open and you stand true to who you are. You're not hiding behind anything. You are who you are and you're, and you're proud. And I think that is really important that regardless of what we go through and the defining moments and all that sort of stuff, if you stay true to who you are and you'll be proud of who you are, then you can achieve anything. Yeah. And I think you're a testament to that. So thank you so much, Ben. I've really appreciated it. Thank and you I've very much for having me. It's been great. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.